there, you're listening to Atypical Parenting and it is part two of a three-part series on friendship. When you're raising a child on the autistic spectrum, friendships are hard across the board. Friendships for us as parents, friendships for our children as they're developing their social skills when they're school age, and then another whole different set of issues when your child is an adult with autism and has no friends. So join me, all three episodes. Last week's is up this week you're listening to now. I hope you enjoy it. Next week, I think it's going to be the best one yet. So stay tuned. Welcome to Atypical Parenting for another episode. We're going to talk again today about friendship. I hope you had an opportunity to listen to last week's episode. It was a bit of a a fun episode where I spoke with my friend Debbie Marinucci and we told stories and we laughed about our own friendship, but we also talked about the struggles of making and maintaining a friendship when your child is on the spectrum. If you're listening, I assume you guys know that there are certain things that a lot of other people, it's not always easy to find a friend, much less to maintain a friendship. So go ahead back and listen to that episode if you didn't get a chance yet. Today though, we're gonna dive in a little deeper and we're gonna change our perspective. We talked last week about parents and the difficulties in that realm. But today I wanna talk about the difficulties for our children and how we as parents can help them, you know, do the same thing, find and maintain friendships. Social relationships are so important in finding a satisfying and happy life as humans, right? Being a human, being socially integrated into your community is one of the reasons the human race has survived all these years. So I want you to just always keep in mind that it plays a really important role in our overall well-being and quality of life. And that goes for our kids too. So I want to go over five things today that are going to help us as parents to help our children. But the first thing I wanted to say is to go back to last week again, because finding your own friends and maintaining healthy friendships is going to provide an amazing model for your child. It's going to give them a point of reference as to what a good, healthy loving relationship looks like. And so when you are tempted to feel guilty because you want to spend time with your friend or, you know, we all get that mom or dad guilt when we're taking time away after being at work or they're in school or we just feel like we need to spend more time with them. It's okay. And not only is it okay, but it's really good for your kids to see you engaged in healthy, loving relationships. So don't diminish that. Don't put yourself last. You're not doing anybody any favors. Imagine trying to make friends when you have trouble reading body language or facial expressions or tone of voice. Imagine trying to make friends when you're socially anxious or maybe you're even nonverbal. Imagine trying to make friends when you're so overwhelmed by sensory stressors, by loud noise, bright lights, by too many people. That's nearly impossible, it feels like in my mind. That's what our kids are going through, and that's why they need our help. I want you to close your eyes and picture yourself walking down the road, and you are there's traffic going by, so it's a bit noisy. It's a beautiful sunny day, which feels hot and sweaty on your skin, and it also is really bright in your eyes. And you see a group of other parents, and they're kind of all huddled around. And one of the parents is in distress. She looks sad. 
and she has her arms crossed and her head is down. And the other parents seem to be comforting her and talking softly to her and giving her support. Now, I want you to imagine that you don't notice any of that shit because you don't pick up on facial expressions or body language or tones of voice. And so your only objective is to find a friend or to be part of the group. And so you come walking down the road and you're already kind of irritated by all of the sensory stimulation you have going on. And you walk up to the group and you say, hey, guys, how's it going? And that's a perfectly appropriate thing to say, except in that situation, it's intrusive, right? Like now imagine how those parents are going to look at you. That is exactly how your child experiences the world when they have trouble making friends. A recent study in the Journal of Autism showed that teens and adults with autism are less likely, significantly less likely, to suffer from depression or severe anxiety if they have at least one friend. Loneliness in our kids, depression, anxiety, all of it, it's so hard. And for them, it's so painful. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's not a blip in time. It becomes their lives when they're socially isolated. What can we do as parents? It seems overwhelming. But there are a lot of things actually that you can do. The first thing, like I said before, is to have your own healthy friendships. Take time for that stuff because that's going to help your kid. The second thing is to start at the foundation. Look at the base of human interaction and teach your children basic social skills. Now, do I want you to sit them down and say, okay, look at this is how you do it. That's how you do it. No, I want you to use life. I want you to use everyday situations to teach them how to initiate conversations, how to take turns, how to ask questions versus rambling on about their special interest, how to make eye contact, how to, what to say, like how to, uh, start a conversation or end a conversation. It feels like when I say teach basic social skills, it feels to me like I'm saying, hey, you're the teacher, they're the student, and this is your responsibility. But what I'm really saying is just take time with your kids and give them your full attention while you model these things for them. Initiate conversation when you're going through the grocery store. When you're going out to get a bite to eat, when you are one-on-one -on -one with them in the car, simply talk. Ask them a question. Encourage them to ask you a question. Have a back and forth as much as they'll tolerate, as often as they'll tolerate. Make it part of your daily routine. The dinner table is a really good place for this also. So I cannot emphasize enough the value of sitting down together for a family meal. Most of the time, that's going to really help your child. Now, as kids get older, they might get more irritable. Their sensory stuff might be harder to deal with listening to somebody chew or, you know, the plates, plates clinking around. And that becomes a little more tricky. But as a general rule, a meal is a great place to build connection and to teach your children how to initiate and maintain conversation. Taking turns is another thing that a lot of kids and even adults really struggle with. 
how many people have you seen waiting in line, waiting for their turn, tapping their foot and looking aggravated? We don't need to do that. We need to learn how to take turns. We need to learn how to be patient and kind and give people the benefit of the doubt. How do you teach it? You play games. You play board games. You play card games. You play dice games. I love dice games because, you know, it's active and it's, you're just not sitting there. It's, and it's sort of exciting because you don't know what you're going to roll. But those sort of games, you have to take turns. You can also practice again at the dinner table, taking turns with conversation. You know, everybody at the table, you could have a nightly routine or a weekly routine where on Mondays, everybody says, hey, what are you looking forward to this week? And you go around the table and everyone waits for their turn and takes their turn appropriately. Those are the simple ways that you're going to teach your child these really important things when it comes to social interactions. You want to teach your kid how to ask questions versus rambling on. You guys know that your child probably has a special interest or an area of specialized interest that they are so knowledgeable about. They know so many things about their interest that they could talk for hours. And as the parent, you like listening to it. You might be thrilled that your child is talking, uh, but other people, they are not going to be interested. They might want to hear a little bit, but they do not want to hear all of the details that your child wants to hear. So teach your kid to share some, pause, and ask a question. Teach your child to be mindful of the other person in a conscious way. I think humans in general, we have this ability to notice what's going on around us and to respond appropriately when it comes to social dynamics. But a lot of children on the spectrum, most children on the spectrum, simply do not have that ability. It does not come naturally. So you need to teach it. You need to teach them to stop and pause and pay attention, to think, what is this person doing? It's time for me to ask a question. Eye contact is another important thing to teach. Eye contact for people on the spectrum can be very uncomfortable. It can cause a lot of anxiety and it can make it difficult to think because, you know, vision is a sense, obviously, and making eye contact with somebody can be very sensory stimulating. I don't want your child to, you know, be staring people down. I don't want you to think that your child needs to have a typical eye contact pattern. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that. People are going to relate better to your child if they have some eye contact ability. You know, in a perfect world, people would understand that this is hard for people on the spectrum. But you all know, as well as I do, that we do not live in a perfect world. And it's not all sunshines and butterflies out there. And not all people are nice. And not all people understand when somebody has autism or any other deficit or difficulty. So teach your kids to make eye contact. Teach your kids through games. Again, there's that game you guys probably all played it growing up called the staring contest or the blinking contest where you sit directly across from somebody and you count down and you say go and then you stare at each other intently into each other's eyes until one of you blinks. Whoever blinks loses the game. It's so much fun. And then whoever loses or... Sometimes whoever wins wants to play again because competition is fun. That's a great way to push kids with autism a little bit outside of their comfort zone 
in the family setting where there's not a risk of, you know, all that social anxiety. The other thing that you can do that's really good for eye contact is individual sports. One-on-one sports, things like karate or swimming, where you have a coach and where you have to receive direction and show respect. That is really invaluable as far as eye contact and also as far as uh, appropriate respectfulness towards people in authority. I don't want your kids to be automatrons. I don't want them to be sheep walking through life doing what their people in authority tell them to do. That's not what I'm saying. But you guys know that in certain situations, it's important to be respectful of the authority figures in your life. They're teachers. They're coaches. Again, like I said, they're parents. These are important things. I want you also to think about teaching appropriate conversation starters. You know, a lot of times kids want to make friends, but they have no idea what to say. They have no idea how to even get that ball rolling. So simple phrases based on their age are a really good thing to have in your back pocket when you're somebody who struggles socially. Teach those. The next thing that you can do with your child to help them is to practice. And obviously, I talked about all these other things that we can do that makes it fun and, and you know, like a game. And that's all practice, obviously. But there's other ways that you can practice. And one of those ways is through role-playing. Role-playing can be done either one-on-one or in a small group. You can make up a story and everybody picks a character. You can play a role-playing game like uh, Dungeons & Dragons comes to the top of my head, although that is a very (laughs) difficult game, in my opinion, to play. It's very complicated. You can play role-playing games with your children. You can do small groups or one-on-one where everybody picks a character. You can play Barbie dolls or action figures. You want to also practice in the real world. So you want to get out into social situations. You want to go out into the world, not just in the comfort of your own home or your own school routine. You want to get out into different places. Social situations come in so many forms, and I think we discount a lot of them. Going to the grocery store, that is huge. If your child is young enough to sit in the cart in front of you, Having a conversation, chatting about the different things as you go through the store, you can talk the whole time. And your kid is going to be like really excited to talk about the foods that they like and, you know, whatever else is going on around them because it's fun and it's novel and it's exciting. Going into the store where you have to pay for your gas or buy a gallon of milk or whatever, these are real life situations where you can teach your child to make small talk with the uh, cashier. You could teach them to be pleasant, to say good morning or good afternoon, to say thank you so much, to say how is your day going, right? These are things that don't necessarily occur to people on the autistic spectrum because small talk doesn't always make a lot of sense to them. But a few of these just polite phrases in your child's kind of resource pocket, that's going to go a long way to helping them have good social relationships. When you're thinking about groups and bringing your child into social situations with groups, you want to make sure that you find places that are lower stimulation or 
or and or both with small groups of people. You don't want to bring them into a giant place with overwhelming noise and lights and crowds and all of the things that are going to agitate them. You want to give them an opportunity to practice the skills that you've taught them in real life, though, with small groups of people. When you're thinking about places for your child to make friends, that's another hard situation because a lot of children on the spectrum, they just like their comfort zones, right? And we all do to some degree. But people on the spectrum, they like their routines, they like their environments, they like things the way that they expect them to be, and they don't like a lot of change. So you have to think about things that are going to interest them. A lot of times people on the spectrum have restricted interests. So think about those interests that they have and then try to push the limits on them a little bit. For instance, do they love to draw? That means that they like art. So maybe let's try something that's similar to drawing like a small art class or one-on-one -on -one art lessons. How about science? Do they like environmental science? They love animals and you know, the earth and all of these things that I'm not so up to date on. What about that? Do they like that? Let's maybe take them to the aquarium where we're going to expose them to a whole new element of the things that they're interested in. So you want to think about bringing them into a new, uh, opening their air. You want to think about opening up their inner world so that they can be exposed to more places in the outer world, if that makes any sense. You want to keep one foot in their comfort zone and push one foot out so it's not terribly overwhelming. But if we allow our children to just isolate and stay firmly in their comfort zone, it's just going to get, their circle is going to be smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'll tell you what, you all know that as parents, we are not going to be here forever. They need a circle of people. So do your best to expand that circle as much as you can without overly stressing them, right? If you stress them out too much, they're going to balk. They're going to about face and they're going to have none of it and you're going to totally lose your opportunity. So be mindful of their limitations while also pushing them just a little bit outside of their comfort zones. You might want to think about exposure to new hobbies. So again, start with similar. Think about what they like, and then find something very similar. You might want to also build on existing interests. So if they are really happy with karate, you might want to teach them a new form, like, you know, a different type of karate maybe, or maybe like, um, you know, I know boxing is a little violent, but that's what comes to the top of my head. So think about the interests that they have, expand on them just a little bit. I think the most important thing when we're talking about this topic is to focus on long-term success because you're going to try a million different things if you're focused on this topic and a lot of them are not going to work. They're just flat out not going to work and there could be a million reasons why they don't work, but they're not. Nothing happens overnight and social skills are just going to continue to develop as your child gets older. I want you to remember, too, that making friends looks very different for a four-year-old than it does for a teenager. You know, when you're four, you can roll up to somebody and say, hey, you want to play? 
And that's a perfectly appropriate and common way to start a relationship or a friendship. But when you're a teenager and you walk up to somebody and say, hey, you want to play? Well, that's just creepy and weird, right? So, you know, it's going to be an evolving thing as your child ages that you're going to teach them more socially appropriate things to help them be successful socially. I tell you what, though, you have to keep practicing. You have to stay on game. I know that when I was raising my kids, I did a lot of these things when they were young. But once they got into be school age, I kind of stopped. I kind of focused more on things like academics. And, um, you know, I was like crazy into nutrition and all these things that were important, but really they were not... My social training, my social, my teaching of social skills was not finished and I stopped teaching. And that's on me. That's my bad. So please be encouraged by my failure to learn from my mistake. You can do this. I promise you, you can do this. And you can help your kids develop age appropriate social skills. Have fun with it. If making friends feels like work for our children, they are not going to want to have any part of it. They're going to totally avoid all these interactions that I just talked about. If you are grilling your children, hey, what's this? What's that? Like, learn this, repeat that. No, nobody wants to be involved in that. That's just nonsense. And honestly, it makes your kid feel like they're not quite good enough and you're trying to fix them. We're not fixing anybody. Our kids are who they are. They're wonderful and amazing, but they need a little help. They need a little extra training, right? It's like getting up on a bicycle. Nobody knows how to do it instinctively. Well, for kids on the autistic spectrum, they don't know how to engage socially instinctively in a lot of cases. It's okay. You're going to teach them, but you're going to have fun with it. You know, again, riding a bike. You're not going to have your child just fall off the bike and then say, get up there again and fall off again, right? Again and again and again. No, it's, you're not a drill sergeant. You are a parent, a loving and concerned person who's helping them learn how to succeed in the world. You're going to back up when they've had enough. You're going to put it aside for another day. And then you're going to come back to it because social interactions are everywhere. Don't miss your opportunity to teach your kids. Make sure you enjoy the process. Support your child and make it as fun and playful as possible. I know that it's hard. I know that every day has its own stressors and its own needs and its own demands. And sometimes you think, oh my God, this is just one more thing I need to do. But please, just try to do your best to incorporate it into your everyday daily life. It's going to make it fine. It's going to make it normal. And it's going to help your child so much. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at atypical underscore parenting. If you like the show, help me reach more listeners like you by leaving a rating or review on your podcast platform. Wishing you all a wonderful week. Until next time.